Magnus Jabs Reality, presented by Two True Freaks. I'm your host, Magnus, and, you know, it's, I've been thinking about doing more of these Trennis Magnus Jabs Reality things because, honestly, they are kind of fun to do, you know, um, but, you know, there's a lot of stuff to talk about that doesn't necessarily fit into an episode of Trennis Magnus Punches Reality, and so, I don't know, maybe use these episodes, or at least this kind of mini-series or sub-series or side-series or spin-off or whatever we're calling it, basically using Trinus Magnus Jab's reality to talk about all the stuff that maybe doesn't fit into a conventional episode of Trinus Magnus Punch's reality. So, I don't know. But anyway, a couple things here. Uh, first of all, as a lot of you probably know, that is, if you have any stake in uh, the Star Trek franchise whatsoever, you probably know, that Jean-Luc Picard is going to be coming onto the show. This is my understanding that basically Patrick Stewart has agreed to play Jean-Luc Picard on Star Trek Discovery, right? And so that's the big scuttlebutt that's, that's going around right now. And, you know, people... I would be the first to admit that maybe I'm completely alone on this one, all right? Maybe I'm the only one that feels this way, but I'm kind of not really happy about that, you know? For one thing, Picard kind of already... Now, actually, and before I even start talking about this, guys, before we go any further, what I want you to understand is that... Look... Don't mistake me for a Star Trek fan, all right? Because I don't really think that I am. You know, I enjoy watching Star Trek. I like the shows and... Or the old shows, anyway. And I like the movies and I really like the comics, the Star Trek comics that I've read. I really like those. But is that really enough to call yourself a Star Trek fan? You know, just enjoying watching this stuff? Do, do you really have the right to call yourself a Star Trek fan because of that? I don't know. The answer might be no. Because the way I look at it, you know, you don't get to call yourself a Spider-Man fan just because you enjoy the Stan Lee, John Romita stuff. Because tons of people 
get into the Stanley John Romita era of Spider-Man, you know? So simply the fact that you enjoy that and you really get into that doesn't necessarily make you an authority on Spider-Man, now does it? And to me, if you really want to be a fan of something, you have to be a little bit of an authority on the subject, you know? And when it comes to Star Trek, I'm really not. You know, like I say, I love watching the shows. I love the old shows. I love watching the movies. The old movies. And I love reading the comics. The old comics. But, you know, I, I would never claim to be any kind of an authority on the subject, all right? So everything that you're about to hear is coming from somebody who enjoys Star Trek. Yes. But steadfastly refuses to identify as a Star Trek fan, okay? So take my comments for whatever you think they're worth on that basis, right? But am I the only one that's maybe not very happy about the fact that Picard is coming back? Because he kind of got an ending already in, in Nemesis, you know? It was a pretty good ending, I would say. You know, now, here again, this is where... You know, Magnus isn't really a Star Trek fan kind of becomes a factor of it because I'm well aware that a lot of Star Trek fans don't really get into Nemesis quite as much. And that's fine, you know, whatever. I mean, everyone has their favorites, I suppose. But I really dig the movie. You know, I think I think it's, it's just, first off, it's good Trek. But I also just kind of like it as a kind of a character piece, kind of sort of about Picard, you know? And I don't want to give anything away in case you haven't seen it, but basically things happen in, in, in just kind of the, the story of that movie where Picard goes through a, a, a certain, I don't even want to say character arc, but there's character development such that by the time credits roll for the movie, you know, when credits roll, it, it really is or it can be the end of Picard's story, you know? We don't really need to see anything beyond that, I don't think, you know? <clears throat> and so, you know, there's that, you know, just from like a, a creative standpoint, he's kind of gotten an ending already. I don't think we need like a follow-up to it, you know? The other thing though, is that the trend with a lot of these franchises lately has been a lot of deconstruction. You know, you bring back this, you know, uh, icon from, you know, the old days, and then you deconstruct it, you know? And I'm just so fed up with that. You know, I mean, I tuned out of The Last Jedi in no small part because I kind of figured, you know, this is going to be, you know, at least for Luke Skywalker's participation, this is going to be a little bit of a deconstruction. And hey, wouldn't you know, it's a deconstruction of Luke Skywalker, you know? Not completely, not totally, not exclusively, but yes, you know, you can't really deny that. You know, it was kind of nice to be vindicated. You know, I mean, again, I don't take pleasure in the, the pain and the misery that a lot of Star Wars fans are going through right now, but there was a tiny little bit of satisfaction in knowing that I was right. You know, I was right to be skeptical about this movie. I made the right decision in not seeing it, you know? And there's this, very loud, very vocal, very douchebaggy uh, segment. I can't even call them like a segment of fandom because they're not a segment of fandom. You know, they're basically, I almost want to call them like agents provocateur 
that basically go out there and protest and make all kinds of fucking noise about representation uh, of this, that, and the other thing. You know, we need more women in this, that, and the other thing. You know, the very movies that these people criticize, they don't watch. They don't read the. They don't read those comics. They don't watch those movies. They don't tune into those shows. They just want to have, I don't know, like the like the ball fanning pleasure of knowing that hey, I went out there and made a difference about something that they don't even give a shit about, you know. And so a lot of people are kind of, not a lot of people, but some people are kind of cheering the uh, idea of a Picard deconstruction. And yes, I am questioning their fandom, you know. Now this is coming from a guy who as I said earlier, doesn't identify as a fan of Star Trek and doesn't necessarily want to be categorized as a fan of Star Trek, but who nevertheless enjoys watching Star Trek. Yeah, I'm I'm questioning their fandom and their actual investment in this franchise because, you know, one of the kind of nice things about Picard is that he had, in the context of the Star Trek universe, he had this kind of unshakable moral core, you know, truly incorruptible you know and the most logical and obvious way to deconstruct picard is basically to show him doing shall we say less than morally pure types of things or maybe show that he is maybe a little bit corruptible after all you know and i just say fuck that you know i just i have no interest in seeing that and you know here again, I'm kind of the inverse of the people who bitch and complain about what is or isn't happening in shows and movies that they don't even fucking watch. Well, I'm bitching and complaining about something that may or may not be happening in a show that I refuse to watch. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just a big hypocrite. I don't know. But this is just something that I have no interest in, I don't care about, and I don't... I just don't care to see happen, okay? It's bad enough that I know that this happened to Luke Skywalker... But don't do it to Picard, too. You know, I mean, yeah, Luke Skywalker is by far the bigger icon of my childhood. There's just really no two ways around that. But, you know, at the same time, you know, it's not like Picard is some no-name, some Johnny-come-lately that never meant anything to me. I mean, that's just fucking not true. So, anyway. There's my Star Trek bit, right? So, anyway. Now, moving along to something completely different. Um, Basically... You know what? It's probably best that I just, you know, bait the hook a little bit up top and say, I got a new uh, battery, right? A new e-cig battery. I got a new battery a couple of days ago. And, you know, I had good reasons for doing that. But before I get into those reasons, I probably need to give you guys a little bit of backstory here. Basically, what happened was, I want to say it was like, Jesus, I guess it was. Like, not exactly three years ago, but very close to exactly three years ago. Uh, HR announced in the office in which I used to work, some of you may know which office this is, like which company this was, but uh, HR at the company that I used to work for announced that they were going to be basically creating and setting up a a vape lounge inside uh, inside the office, you know, so uh, those, uh, you know, those staffers who, who vape rather than smoke Well, now they have the option of staying inside and, uh, you know, vaping indoors, you know. And honestly, that was really the killer app that I needed, you know, because up to then I dabbled a lot with electronic cigarettes, but I really never found anything that I liked, right? I never found 
an electronic cigarette that did what I wanted it to do at a price that I was willing to pay. But, you know, what I realized is, you know what? Maybe this is the kick in the ass that I need. You know, maybe allowing, you know, indoor vaping. Maybe this is this is what I need, you know? So I went out and I uh, I bought, I spent not a ton of money, but I spent a little bit of money on some actual uh, quality electronic cigarette gear, you know? So I, I bought a tank and I bought some liquid and I bought some battery, or I bought a battery and then that kind of became some batteries. But basically these were E-Leaf iStick 50 watt batteries, right? And like I say, bought them three years ago. And at the time that I bought them, I mean, you know, I... I don't I thought that it was a pretty good price. I mean, you're looking at like I should say less than 80 bucks for each battery. The the tank, I want to say those probably went for like 10 or 12 bucks a pop. And then the liquid, I honestly couldn't tell you. You know, I could I can't even remember what I bought as far as the liquid goes. I, I'm sure it was decent whatever it was, but I, I I really couldn't tell you anything about the brand or the price or anything. But the uh, the tank that I bought, this was an Aspire Atlantis uh, tank, right? And so I had the uh, E-Leaf iStick 50-watt batteries with the Atlantis Aspire tank, or sorry, the Aspire Atlantis tank. The brand name is Aspire. The model was Atlantis. And, you know, for quite a few years there, those things took pretty good care of me, you know, as far as nicotine is concerned. Those things took pretty good care of me, but I would say that over the last maybe year or something like that, my equipment has been going a little bit haywire, right? I Like I say, I bought three of those batteries, those E-Leaf iStick 50-watt batteries, bought three of them, a blue one, a gray one, and a black one, because, you know, hey, why not, why not stick with Batman colors, right? So, the blue battery, the, I guess one of the screws on the underside of the housing got stripped or something. And so probably like once a day or every other day or something like that, I had to uh, take a, a Phillips head screwdriver and uh, screw that thing back in place. It would hold for a little while. It would come out either later that day or the next day, wash, rinse, repeat, right? So that happened, right? The black battery... it's tough to describe, but it would just randomly just die. Like the battery life, it just went to hell after a while. And honestly, I mean, I kind of blame myself a little bit for that. I wasn't as careful as I should have been on something. And anyway, bottom line is the battery life on the black one gave up the ghost. I would say actually relatively early on. And so I usually just uh, would keep the black, the black one around kind of as a fallback, you know? In case of emergency, use this, right? And then there was the gray one, which was probably my favorite of the bunch. And fairly recently, that one would just suffer problems where it would just randomly switch off on me, you know? So you're sitting there, you're, you know, you're vaping and you're enjoying it. And then boom, things just switches off for really no obvious reason, right? So that's less than ideal. But you know what? In the main, this stuff works, and so my attitude was, well, keep it, right? Well, that started to become a little bit of a problem after a while, kind of a logistical problem, because these Aspire, these uh, Aspire Atlantis uh, tanks, 
coils for these things were starting to become nigh impossible to find, right? I'm not kidding. It was a serious pain in the pain to find uh, these coils, you know? And so it's like after a while, I kind of had no choice except to, you know, upgrade my tank because I can't get to uh, coils anymore for the old tank, right? And so I, I like the Aspire brand. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to stay in that family and just see what, you know, what options are available to me. And so I got an Aspire Cleto tank. This was a couple of weeks ago now, right? Uh, got an Aspire Cleto uh, tank. And what I discovered is that they have two different kinds of coils, at least at my vape shop. They've got two different kinds of compatible coils for this tank. One of them is, it's basically, it ranges from, I want to say like 60 to 80 watts or something like that as the ideal, you know, setting for where you want to set your battery between 60 and 80 watts. And so that's what I used, you know, I used the, the Cleto with the 60 to 80 watt coil, right? Worked pretty well. Until a couple of weeks ago, like I say, where I went up to my vape shop and, oops, they don't have any Cleto coils, at least not in the 60 to 80 watt range. What they did have were Cleto Exo coils in the 60 to 100 watt uh, range. And what I discovered is that those 60 to 100 watt coils won't work with my fucking batteries, right? Just not going to work. That became a bit of a problem, like I say, when I went in there... Um, so a couple of weeks ago, I, I, I got the Cleto tank, and then a couple of days ago, I went in uh, to get um, some more Cleto uh, coils, and whoops, like I say, they don't have any Cleto coils. All they have are Cleto Exo coils. And those coils, like I say, no worky with my E-Leaf iStick 50-watt batteries. So what's a boy to do? So I bought a, uh, a battery that, that I knew for sure could handle that kind of that kind of load. So as Aspire tanks have, I've had a pretty good uh, success rate with those. I decided to stick with the E-Leaf batteries. And so I, uh, I picked up an E-Leaf iStick QC 200 watt battery. And guys, this thing is a beast. I love it, right? Now, yeah, the it goes up to 200 watts, which is 100 watts more than these coils can withstand. Like even at their highest setting, this is more than they can they can stand. But nobody says you have to leave the the battery at you know 200 watts. You can lower it if you want. And right now I've got mine set to 75 watts, and I must say, it works really well. And you know the battery life, just by virtue of the fact this thing is so new. The battery life is actually pretty good, but that's at the same time that's kind of a double-edged sword. Because, yeah, the battery life is long, but that also means that the battery recharge time is long as well. So, so, hmm. Anyway, but in the, you know, in general, I would say that, you know, this was, this is money well spent. This, you know, these both, the, the new coil, or rather the, uh, the, the new tank and the new battery. Both of these things, I would say, were, these were upgrades that were well worth making, you know, because of the fact that I'm getting... Well, basically, this is just quality, this is quality gear, I guess is the point. So, anyway, I'm going to take a drag off of my new vaporizer.
Oh, by the way, one thing that may kind of sort of affect you listeners is that, like, uh, as I said a minute ago, the old batteries that I had, those things were 50 watts. I have this new battery set to 75 watts. And so what that means for you guys is that it produces more vapor faster, which means that I, I, I can take smaller drags, which means that when I do this number, I don't do it for as long as I used to do it with uh, my, my old equipment, right? So, uh, I don't know. There's a point in there somewhere. I just don't know what it is. So, anyway, moving right along. One of the things that's been going on over the last, I would say, like week and a half or something like that, at the time that I record this, no idea when I'm going to release this, but at the time that I record this, one of the things that's been going on over the last week and a half is goings on with Alex Jones getting, coincidentally, I'm sure, banned from all of the different, or a lot of the different uh, uh, social media platforms and uh, uh, just generally online distribution pl platforms. Basically, most of big tech at this point has banned Alex Jones. And by sheer fucking coincidence, it all happened at the exact same fucking time. <laughs> so, you know, there's your collusion, guys. But anyway... And a lot of people seem like really happy about this, you know, like a like a shocking number of people are happy that your freedom of expression is in the hands of a bunch of Silicon Valley blowhards, right? Like this is a positive development for some people, you know, and I, I speak here primarily of the left, but, you know, even on the right, you have a lot of people making these chicken shit libertarian arguments. Well, this is the free market and they can decide who they do and don't want on their platform. <laughs> and it's just so fucking retarded. You know, guys, in America, we have certain rights that are enshrined in the Constitution of the United States. Now, our actual access to those rights, I think, is very much up for debate sometimes. But at least in theory, those rights are available to us as guaranteed by the Constitution, right? And what these, what these, basically these virtual monopolies are doing is deciding who can and cannot exercise free speech in 2018. That's really what it comes down to. You know, these, uh, like Facebook... They're basically a monopoly. There is not a competitor to Facebook anywhere out there. Nobody does what Facebook does the way Facebook does it. Period. End of story. Right? Facebook is a monopoly. Twitter. Nobody really does what Twitter does the way that Twitter does it. There is no competition for, for Twitter. Twitter is a monopoly. YouTube. There's only one YouTube. Nobody out there does what YouTube does, the way that YouTube does it, okay? Twitter is, or rather, YouTube is a monopoly, all right? It's as simple as that. And so what you basically have, you know, with these different companies, you know, they are deciding, you know, with all of the monopolistic power that they have, they're deciding what speech is and is not acceptable, you know? What you can and cannot say online, you know? And guys, look, here's the thing. There's no such thing as absolute free speech. You know, there are certain laws that exist in America that are not incompatible with the Constitution. There are still laws that limit your speech, right? There are certain 
uh, public figures whose lives you're not allowed to threaten. Rightfully so, I think. You know, um, if you're in a crowded movie theater, you cannot shout fire, right? Free speech does not completely apply in places like that, you know? On and on and on, right? There's no such thing as absolutely free speech, all right? And I get that. But at the same time, I mean, no one seems to really know what Alex Jones did or said to justify uh, his bannings and suspensions and all of that. No one seems to know. All we seem to know is that it happened and that these vague and kind of arbitrary terms of service were somehow violated, but no one knows how or when. We just have to take big tech's word for it. Pretty much is what it comes down to. And guys, I mean, I'm sorry, that's fucking bullshit. I'm not saying that you have to like Alex Jones or for that matter that you have to dislike him. You know, I mean, I just for, like just for myself, you know, there was a time, I guess, when I would I would watch some Alex Jones videos on YouTube because for those of you who don't know, I kind of like conspiracy theories and just sort of alternative views on things. You know, I I, I like those things. And it's not to say that, you know, you necessarily believe everything that you see. But at the same rate, I mean, guys, nobody can deny that real conspiracies, or for that matter, conspiracy theories, have existed all through American history. One conspiracy that we know for a fact existed and was real was the assassination of Abraham Lincoln, right? Basically, the, assassina the assassination of President Lincoln was part of a wider plot intended to overthrow the United States government. Not completely successful. And when what you're talking about is a coup... If you're not completely successful, then you're an absolute failure. And so basically, yeah, you know, Lincoln died, but the plot itself was exposed and the conspirators were caught, you know? Fine. So that's one conspiracy for sure that we all know. Nobody disputes this really existed. This really did happen. And that's part of history, all right? A conspiracy theory that was considered fringe coop type stuff was the existence of the NSA. Guys, it was the 1970s before the United States government even ex admitted that the NSA exists, okay? The 1970s. Prior to that, certain conspiracy theory types believed that the NSA or something similar to it existed, but the government denied it. They lied about it. All right. So not necessarily every single conspiracy theory that comes along is necessarily like tinfoil hat crackpot type stuff. Right. Sometimes there's real information that's getting circulated around out there. Right. And in any case, I just like conspiracy theories. I think they're I think they're entertaining. I think they're you know, sometimes they're they're kind of fun to listen to. Right. And Alex Jones fits pretty well into that milieu. At least he did when he was more into the conspiracy theory, like, mode of media presentation, right? And, like, or here, or another conspiracy theory that's uh, making the rounds right now is QAnon, right? A lot of people, not so much, like, right now, but, uh, I don't know, two, maybe three, maybe four news cycles ago, QAnon was a pretty big news item. Now, guys, I've been reading not nonstop, but I've been checking in uh, on a, on a QAnon for, I want to say, not very long after the whole QAnon thing even got started. 
maybe once or twice a week just to see if anything new has been posted. And guys, I just, to me, conspiracy theories are entertaining, right? And whether or not you believe in conspiracy theories or whether or not you're just, you're more like me and you're just kind of entertained by them or, 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 or what, or whether you love Alex Jones or whether you hate Alex Jones. My point guys is that it's really fucking dangerous and it's just a bad idea to put, to put the fate of your rights into the hands of these monopolies. You know, you really need to think twice about doing that guys. It's not a good thing that they have this much power, right? They shut down Alex Jones today. What's to stop them unless they're challenged? What's to stop them from banning, you know, tomorrow from banning your favorite news outlet? Just, there's nothing to stop them. Anyway, so moving away from that stuff. Uh, last night, I finished up this big Batman Beyond rewatch that I kind of fell bass backwards into. Uh, and I talked a little bit about this on the Facebook group. So if you check in on the Facebook group on a pretty regular basis, odds are a lot of this stuff is probably not going to be news for you, right? Made my way through the entire series. And right as I got near the end, I thought, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and just go for it. I'm going to watch Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. And guys, I got to tell you, you know, I really dig Batman Beyond, you know? I can understand that maybe this isn't everybody's brand of bourbon. All right? I understand that, you know? I don't really relate to that, but I do understand it, you know? And I just, I really had a good time, you know, watching these Batman Beyond episodes. And I just like Terry McGinnis as a character. I mean, honestly, guys, in my headcanon, Bruce Wayne has very few potential successors, right? The, to me, the most obvious is Tim Drake, right? Tim Drake, you know, the day's going to come when, when he graduates from being Robin to being Batman. That's my headcanon, you know? And I guess short of that, the other leading contender to pick up wherever it is that Bruce Wayne leaves off is Terry McGinnis. I just... I like Terry, you know, I, I just like Terry's style. And one of the things that really works for me about Batman Beyond is the Bruce and Terry dynamic that they're not interchangeable. You know, Terry makes decisions that Bruce wouldn't necessarily make. You know, Terry does things that Bruce wouldn't necessarily do, says things that Bruce wouldn't necessarily say, you know, and I just, I, I kind of like that, you know, uh, Batman Beyond keeps Bruce Wayne at the heart of who Batman is, which to me is a very important thing. But at the same time, it does show that Batman can be more than just Bruce Wayne, you know? Now, I'm not saying that's necessarily a positive thing. I don't necessarily, because right now, or I don't know so much about right now, but at least at one point, the big trend in comics was to have somebody other than the guy who's always been this character being this character, you know? And typically it's somebody who is completely nuts, you would never believe this person has the stability to be, say, Thor or Iron Man or fucking whoever, you know? But it was a big trend in comics at one point for reasons no one's ever really figured out, you know? So I'm not necessarily saying that I want to see somebody else besides Bruce be Batman, but Batman Beyond does at least demonstrate that such a thing is possible, you know? 
they're not necessarily the same as one another. And so, you know, I guess Batman Beyond kind of exists in the in the spaces between Terry on the one hand and Bruce on the other, you know? And to me, that's where the show Batman Beyond, and that's also where Batman as a character, like the Terry version of Batman, that's what really makes those things kind of interesting to me, you know? So when I was talking about this on the Facebook group, though, somebody, and it may have been David Wang, forgive me, anyone who asked, but, uh, you know, uh, for blanking on on who asked, but uh, I want to say it was David Wang who asked, you know, if I'm going to include in my rewatch epilogue, the episode of uh, Justice League Unlimited, and the answer to that is no, I did not. And the reason for that is I just don't really like epilogue, you know? To me, Return of the Joker is the true conclusion of Batman Beyond. Like, you know, if you need for Batman Beyond to have a conclusion, to me, Return of the Joker is the most obvious place to go, you know? The other thing, though, is that there's stuff that's revealed about Terry McGinnis and his origins. There's stuff that gets revealed in epilogue as an episode that, guys, I don't like. You know, I don't like that. To me, the idea of having Terry McGinnis be Bruce Wayne's secret son, that is just such try-hard bullshit, you know? I, do, I don't care to see that, you know? What, again, one of the things that made Batman Beyond interesting to me is the fact that, you know, Terry is very much his own man, you know? Now, he's fitting himself into the Bruce Wayne mold, but he's doing it on his own terms and with his own style, you know? And setting up that Terry is Bruce's biological son through cloning and all this I don't, to me, it's almost like whoever wrote that is missing the fucking point. You know, I, and I know that technology is known to exist in the Batman Beyond universe, you know, and whoopty fucking do, you know, but just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. And it's almost, it, to me, it, it almost, I don't want to say it defeats the point, but it's kind of like missing the point. You're missing the point if you write that, you know? The thing that makes Terry McGinnis work as Batman is that he's not Bruce and he has no connection to Bruce. There's no tether of any kind there, except that Bruce is his reluctant mentor. You know, that's the connection. A biological connection is kind of redundant. And it also, like I say, misses the fucking point. So anyway, and all of that, it was all sort of part of a, or at least it started off as a, not a rewatch of the entirety of Batman the Animated Series. I just kind of cherry-picked a couple of episodes that I wanted to watch. And I watched them, you know? And in particular, I watched the, um, the Clock King episodes. Such as Clock King. That's the title of the episode. And also, I believe the other one is Time Out of Joint. Those are the only two Clock King episodes that I at least know about. And I gotta tell you, you know, I mean, I'm not prepared to say that those are like my favorite, you know, because to me, Heart of Ice is just so high up on the list that it's really hard to justify putting Clock King episodes on that same level. But at the same time, I mean, I do regard the Clock King episodes as kind of 
they're definitive in a sense that if you watch those episodes, you'll have a pretty good idea of what Batman the Animated Series is all about. You know, if you just watch those two and you don't see anything else, you'll still have a pretty good idea of what Batman the Animated Series is up to. You know, like the creative directions that it could go in at different times. That, you know, not necessarily every episode is this heart-wrenching tragedy along the lines of Heart of Ice, but, you know, there's a lot of pathos and drama to Clock King as an episode. And at the same time, you know, when it comes to time out of joint, not necessarily every episode is, you know, this in-depth kind of heart, heart-wrenching character piece. You know, sometimes they're just kind of fun adventure stories, which is kind of what time out of joint is, you know? <clears throat> and so in a weird sense, I do kind of regard those Clock King episodes as being a little bit emblematic of what Batman the Animated Series was all about, you know? And I just like Batman the Animated Series. I really do. I mean, I'm probably one of the few people in the room who doesn't consider Batman the Animated Series to be definitive. You know, some, for some people it is. And if it is, if you think that it is, you know what? God bless. You know, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong, but I will say that I don't really agree with that, you know? So, anyway. But yeah, I really enjoy those Clock King episodes. I think they're incredibly underrated, so if you haven't seen them in a while, give them a rewatch. Watch them again for the first time, because I think you're going to be pretty impressed. So, anyway. And that, I think, is pretty much it for me for right now. So, bye, everybody. I will see you next time. think that's just about the end of that. Trennis Magnus Punches Reality is a proud member of the Two True Freaks podcast network. You can find the home for Trennis Magnus Punches Reality on Facebook just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. There you can interact with your fellow listeners and also see notifications of new episodes when I put them up. You can friend me on Facebook just by searching for Trentus Magnus which is spelled T-R-E-N-T-U-S-M-A-G-N-U-S. You can email me and my parole officer at trennismagnus at gmail.com. Do you have a suggestion for a topic? Feel free to email me, and I might consider thinking about the possibility of potentially discussing whatever you have in mind someday. And that's a promise. Do you have a podcast of your own? If so, why not record a promo for me to play on my show? It's quick, easy, and can help you spread the word about your show. I'm always looking for more promos to play. Keep it fairly short, and yours could be next. My promos can be found at this show's homepage for those interested. Just look for the promos section. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at TwoTrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, Two True Freaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. 
So you get to shop as usual and help out the Two True Freaks at the same time. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. The contents of this podcast are fictitious, hypothetical, and probably completely unnecessary. Any similarity to living persons or real-life events is purely coincidental and void where prohibited by law, some assembly required, batteries not included. The white zone is for passenger loading and unloading only. All models are over the age of 18. Trennis Magnus Punches Reality is a Magnus Media Enterprises Limited production in association with Demonzacore of Milan, Italy.